At Eastern Bank, we believe that growing business should also grow the community. That's why we work to give all business owners what they need to take their dreams to the next level. Our dedication to small businesses and communities has inspired us to create the Equity Alliance for Business program and become the number one SBA lender in Massachusetts for 15 years running. We're proud to be here for all businesses, big and small. See the good we can do for you by visiting easternbank.com slash business. Member FDIC. In late 2007, the remains of a young woman from the Casca Nation were discovered in the Yukon woods. I always think about, I want to know what really happened. So I travel north to try to understand what happened and who was involved. It's a pretty big risk to come forward with the information that I have. I'm David Ridgen, and this is Someone Knows Something, Season 8, The Angel Carlet Case. Available now. Welcome to Say More from Boston Globe Opinion. I'm Shirley Leung. Betting on sports has been around for as long as sports have existed. But legal sports betting is new in most of America. While it used to be something you could only do in Vegas, a Supreme Court decision in 2018 opened the floodgates. And now more than 30 states allow betting, both in person and online. I think there are a few sectors in the world that have evolved as quickly as online gaming and are continuing to do so right before our eyes. 100 million, that's the number of sports betting transactions over Super Bowl weekend. The that's young the industry already has its share of controversy. A popular sports betting company based right here in Massachusetts is under fire, accused of deceiving its own customers. That company is DraftKings, which has the biggest share of online gambling in the country. A class action lawsuit filed this month says one of its recent promotions is predatory. The company disputes the claim and says it will vigorously defend itself. My guest today is DraftKings CEO Jason Robbins. I spoke to Jason before the class action suit was filed. One of the things we did talk about is the upside of bringing sports betting out of the shadows. I see his point. It means better regulations and new sources of tax revenue. But do those benefits outweigh the downsides? Listen and decide for yourself. Here's our conversation. Jason, welcome to Say More. Thank you for having me. So I'm not a betting person, but I cannot escape sports betting ads. They are everywhere. I mean, I think Conan O'Brien spoke for all of us when he tweeted, I haven't seen a sports betting ad in seven minutes. Am I dead? What do you say to people who feel it's just too much? I mean, I just want to watch some football. You know, I think that um, there's a few things going on that, are really, in some cases, temporal, in some cases not. So one, uh, obviously, this is a very specific audience. So, you know, games are places that anyone who is in the competitive set is going to want to advertise. So unlike a lot of other markets where you might see some competitors on the game, maybe Budweiser's doing it, but you're not seeing 18 different beers advertised on the game because they have other channels, everybody in the business is going to be advertising on this channel. So I think that's one. Actually, the NFL has placed limits on how many you can do in game. I think it's like five, I want to oh, say. Oh, really? So, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. So it still feels probably like a decent amount, but that's point one. Uh, point two is it is a very competitive market. And I think that that's good for consumers, but with it is going to come fierce competition, um, which brings me to point three. We're also at a very particular stage of time in the market, and it's a very unique market. Um, so you have this period where all these states are opening up 
And literally, there's just a a huge built up pent up demand of customers. Um, so it's kind of this perfect storm. And, you know, that's obviously going to subside. We've said publicly that we expect our advertising budget to go down next year. Um, and, you know, obviously, if all of a sudden we get California and Texas, a bunch of new states that could change, but eventually that will all run out. It will certainly as the business and as the industry matures and as there's just less new customers coming into the market naturally decline. I mean, I'm here in Boston and Massachusetts just legalized sports uh, betting last year. So I guess that first year or first two years, I'm gonna, we're going to see a lot of ads here. Well, right? We just launched it literally seven, no, maybe eight months ago now at this point. Uh, actually, nine months. I'm sorry. Time flies. So January. But yeah, we're January. still in our first year. It was no, we launched it in March. A March? It was in oh, March. really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I, oh, I guess I guess the law passed, but the regs didn't take hold right for a while. Exactly. So there's a period always after the law passes where they have to figure out what are the regulations going to be, who are we going to grant waivers or licenses or whatever the framework is to get up and running, all that sort of stuff. And you know, obviously, there's templates that that they can follow. So it's not reinventing the wheel, but. Uh, as you know, Massachusetts, we always like to do a few things our own way. So, uh, you know, it takes a little time, but I think that's fine. Um, I actually moved, you know, I think relative to most states on a similar timeline. It wasn't much faster, but it wasn't really much slower either, um, which I think is good for us. I'll take that. We're usually on the slow end of things. So a lot of these ads have celebrities and athletes. You'll be so dialed into every play that you forget to eat your wings. You made my wings cold, DraftKings. Sometimes you're settling in to watch a playoff game, and you get a feeling about a player. Ooh, yeah, that hits different. Okay, we just heard some ads starring Kevin Hart, Charles Barkley, and, and Jamie Foxx. So my 10-year-old... He watches a lot of NBA and NFL games, and he's seeing these ads too, and he knows what sports betting is now. What do you say to parents like me who are concerned about their kids being exposed to gambling at such a young age? Well, I think it's an important thing that obviously, you know, first and foremost, people understand underage kids can't get on the platform. The only possible way they could get on the platform would be if you put in all of your information and then handed them the phone. Um, they are literally unable to get on. So uh, that's one of the nice things about the online market that there's 100% of the time KYC and age verification. Wait, what's KYC? Wait, what's KYC? Oh, sorry. KYC is know your customer. So basically, we have to verify other than you just telling us, hey, this is my birthday. Don't worry. I'm cool. That you're actually who you say you are and that you're a valid person that is of age. So, you know, some I'm not going to call out, but internet platforms will say um, either they won't ask for anything or they'll say, oh, just tell me your birthday. And then they're like, oh, you're good. Um, you know, and others, I think, um, like ours and certain other industries actually are required to go through background checks using third party services to make sure that the person is who they say they are. Um, this is about as safe as it gets when it comes to protecting from minors. And I think that's the most important thing for people to understand. And then I think in terms of the question you asked, listen, I'm a parent. I have four children. They obviously know about it. And, um, you know, I think that what I tell them is what every parent should say. And uh, I think that, you know, really, it's this is an activity that's for adults. And um, I look at it the same way as like your kids probably know what beer is, too, but they're not <laughs> yes, getting they sloshed <laughs> on a Friday night. So, you know, you've made it clear to them that this is an adult beverage, I assume, and they're not allowed to have it. And 
I think that's the same way I would treat this. And I say to my kids, this is something that daddy does. I never did it before I was an adult. I waited till I was an adult. Um, and you know, I think it's cool that you're interested in what I'm doing and I'd love to tell you about the business, but you can't try the product until you're older. So, so what, so what is the legal age in, in Massachusetts? 21. Is is it across the country? 21? It's mostly, there's a few places New Hampshire's 18, um, you know, Kentucky's 18, Wyoming's 18. Uh, I think everywhere else it's legalized 21, but it, there, there's some there's some that are 18, but most of it mo- mostly it's 21. So, so even though um, sports betting is is relatively new in Massachusetts, I, I think um, you know the Gaming Commission uh, the has formally banned, I believe, marketing on college campuses, right, or, or any ads aimed at minors. And so, how does a rule like that affect DraftKings? Well, I mean, we never have advertised on college campuses, so I actually think it's. And it's nice that they banned it because now nobody is. And uh, I think that in general, though, it's really the responsibility of the industry to make sure that we're doing. I mean, same thing I just said a moment ago when you were asking, like, we have to be crystal clear that, you know, this is a product that's for adults and it should be marketed to places that obviously kids are going to be can avoid them ever seeing it, as you noted. But if it's somewhere where the, you know, the predominant population is going to be underage, then you shouldn't be marketing there. And I think that that's like something that everyone in the industry should respect and follow and shouldn't need regulators. So um, uh, other countries that are a little bit further ahead of us with online sports betting, I mean, they, they're proposing or placing restrictions on, uh, you know, banning ce- celebrity sponsorships, limiting ads. I think in, in the U.S. there's also, uh, you know, a bunch of states have similar proposals. So how does that affect DraftKings? Or, or, or did you anticipate this happening with, you know, that, that you would be subject to more restrictions as the Im- industry matures? Well, I don't think it has to be that way. I think that in the case of some of the places that you're talking about where this is happening, and it's really the UK uh, mostly, but there's some other parts of Western Europe, it was because the companies didn't do it right the right way themselves. And I think really that's what it comes down to. Um, if the companies are actually proactively doing it the right way, then there isn't a need for further regulation. And so there's always this balance, right? I mentioned this earlier, it's competitive and we're not only competing, we're actually trying to compete with the illegal market and draw customers off of the illegal market. And we already have disadvantages. On the illegal market, they can extend you credit. We can't do that. That's a big thing we hear all the time from people is like, oh, my bookie just says I can pay him whenever, so I don't have to put in a credit card or anything like that. And they don't get taxed because we're required, of course, by law, if somebody wins over a certain amount to report it to the IRS and to make sure that they get the proper tax forms. And you go and bet with a bookie, they're not sending you tax forms. So we're already at certain disadvantages that um, you know we already have to work against and uh, making it harder to market to the customer at this stage in the industry, I think would be very tough from that perspective. So it's always a balance. I, I am very optimistic here, by the way, um, one of the things that's interesting is that most of those that we're competing with are are these companies based in the European markets. Our top competitors uh, are all either owned or, or part of a joint venture or whatever by uh, companies that got their start in Western Europe or elsewhere internationally. And so they've been through this and they're actually really getting out ahead of it with us. Um, I think we're, if I look at what we're doing now in terms of the industry coming together and coalescing and um, some of the things that I know are being worked on uh, in terms of, you know, uh, self-regulating, that just didn't happen. 
in Europe. And I think because that, I mean, one of the nice things about doing it second is you can see the mistakes that were made by um, sometimes in these cases, the same companies in the first time around and not make them the second time. So what, what when you say the illegal market, what do you mean by that? Well, the old illegal market was the bookie down the street. Um, but, you know, while that still exists, it's really evolved to the offshore websites. If you go Google now, you can find any number of offshore websites that offer, well, now it's legal. Like in the Caribbean or something like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or or there's ones that are even located here now. Oh, really? Or in Canada. Or, yeah, there's people that like are like using crypto. Other, I, I mean, there's see. all sorts of different, not just that though. Uh, they're, they're all over the place, but um, there's even ones that are here that are just not being enforced because sometimes the they consumers can't even tell the difference between them. Um, and so, you know, you're not allowed to operate betting here if you don't have a license. There, there are betters, betting companies operating in Massachusetts that do not have a license and are offering products illegally. Um, there, there, there always has been this big market of these, and we've done a good job, I think, disrupting a lot of it. It's still not completely, you know, there's still a lot happening in the illegal market, and we could, uh, I think, more enforcement and more, you know, help there would be appreciated. But I think that the idea of, hey, this is a new activity, it really isn't. More of my conversation with Jason Robbins after this short break. Across New England, commercial businesses of all sizes rely on Eastern Bank. We help clients grow by being able to answer their larger loan needs and by offering innovative solutions, smart decision-making, and one-on-one relationships. From franchise financing to community development and asset-based lending, our knowledgeable and experienced commercial team deeply understands your business and the communities you serve. See how we can help you meet your business goals at easternbank.com slash commercial. Member FDIC. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. So I'm old enough to remember Cincinnati Reds coach um, Pete Rose. Pete Rose, yeah. Yeah, he's being banned from Major League Baseball because of all his sports betting in the 80s. And, you know, the the league was concerned about games being fixed. And and now all the leagues have formed partnerships with uh, DraftKings and, and other sports betting companies. So I know sports betting is legal, but the concern, I think, about games being fixed hasn't gone away. So, I mean, isn't it just a matter of time before there's a big scandal? I mean, are you worried about corruption? Well, I think you just noted that happened. That has like Pete Rose. That was in what the eighties. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, he wasn't flying to Vegas every time he was betting. <laughs> so, a their illegal market. Point A, I was making like there are plenty, plenty of people that have been betting for years. Now, when Pete Rose goes and tries to make a bet with whatever you know outlet he had found to do it, what do you think they're doing? They're taking the bet. They're not reporting it. This has existed since, you know, the the Black Sox in uh, 1919 or whatever it was, throwing yeah, the world, right. entire World Series. I mean, this has existed forever. 
but this was always being run through these like sort of like the fixing was being done through the illegal markets. And so um, now I think what's happening is one, uh, if it does happen, it's getting reported and caught. Uh, so it maybe makes it seem like it's happening more, but I don't know that that's true as much as like it's actually getting caught. And two, that's kind of the whole point back to like why you bring something from an illegal to legal market is another one of the points is these types of things, when it's in the illegal market, they're very hard. Like who knows how long Pete was doing that for before you got caught. Um, you know, I, I think for us, it's second that we see a suspicious bet, we're required to report it to authorities. Well, tell me about that. What do you mean a suspicious bet? I mean, is there a way for you to detect that? There is. I don't, in some cases, I don't want to totally reveal because this is how we catch people. We use all sorts of stuff from like, you know, one, just just the pattern or activity looks suspicious. Um, and I don't want to give away too much of what we look for there. Two, you know, okay, where is it coming from? Um, and you know, there's all kinds of stuff that you can use to figure out if it looks suspicious. And just because it's suspicious doesn't mean it actually is like lots of times we'll have suspicious things that don't end up turning into anything. But it's it's certainly, a, you know, once a flag is there, we look into it. And if appropriate, we report it to the authorities. How often do you do that? Do you have to report suspicious, bet, suspicious bets? So we haven't had any, thankfully, that have happened on our platform in terms of suspicious bets. We have had uh, players try and make bets on the platform that we've, you know, blocked because we get a player list from the leagues. Um, but oh, we so haven't. These are professional they, players. Yeah, yeah. Usually they're trying to bet on another sport. I, I mean, see. But 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 it's it's you know usually it's harmless. They didn't realize they couldn't or something like but that. But there are but, strict rules, right? I mean, some oh, players have been rules. banned, even if it's not your your own league. If if you're caught. I think betting within like the facility, right? Uh, or stadium, you get you you get dinged. Yeah, I don't know how that works. I mean, I think that certainly players are are not allowed to bet on their own sports. I don't actually know in what league. There are different rules, different yeah. places, but we have whatever the rules are, you know, in player list coded. And we actually, funny enough, we had a, a player that wrote into us the other day who just retired that was still on our list, and he was trying to bet and he was upset because he couldn't get through because we were still blocked. You were oh, basically geez. sending him back saying, you're a player, you can't bet. Did you know this? Here's information. He's like, I'm not a player anymore. Um, so it was kind of funny. But the uh, I'm glad he was so excited that one of the first things he did after In he retirement was, was to, uh, to play DraftKings. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, but anyway, I think, um, you know, this is just another example of where there are so many things. Imagine trying to coordinate with a league to have a list of players to make sure that they're not betting in the illegal market. It just it, it just wouldn't work. So I actually think, you know, I worry a little bit and I'm I, I and, you know, it's just about educating people that people see these things and they think that it's being caused instead of I do. I do think the true story is it's actually getting them caught faster. Um, and hopefully over time, that actually reduces the propensity of these things. But I'm not surprised that you're seeing some instances where that happens in the short term, because this has probably been going on forever. Uh, we know it's been going on forever. And now they're finally getting caught faster. So did you grow up a, a huge sports nerd? <laughs> yes, I, I'm still a big sports nerd, but I did grow up one too. <laughs> so wait, so so because because a lot of what you do at DraftKings is there's a lot of data, right? involved oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of sports yeah. data involved so and and so has and um did uh what were your favorite sports to i mean do you like all the sports or what were your favorite sports to watch 
or get into? <laughs> I mean, growing up, it was everything. And I mean, really, especially in like my my uh, like college and 20s um, before I like, you know, started the company and had kids. And now I just don't have the time anymore. I would watch everything um, like literally would watch every baseball game for the Red Sox, like every single Patriots game for sure. Every Celtics, every Bruins game. I watch them all. Um, I watch golf tournaments. So wait, so has has being the CEO and, and one of the founders of DraftKings, I mean, has that changed your relationship to sports? Yeah, I think so, because really, like, it's hard to look at it purely as like a fan of your team anymore. Um, meaning, like, what I found is that as you get to know the people, whether it's players, whether it's owners, you know, whatever it is, um, you root for the people you like. And it kind of is hard to do like go the other way. Like if you're like, you know, this team I really wanted to hate because um, I grew up there with my rival, but wow, that owner is just the nicest person in the world. Like it's hard to hate him anymore and it's hard not to root for him a little bit. So it's changed kind of like my rooting interest to be as much about the hometown. I still love the home. I, I love Boston teams to be clear, but I also root for a lot of other teams just because I like the people and I won't say who, but there's some I root against too because I don't like the people. Um, but you know, that's really been the big change. Otherwise, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, there's some of the mysticism certainly has gone away of, of like, you know, it, but it's definitely, I, I still love sports. And so it's still something I get great enjoyment out of, out of watching. And also my kids are getting into sports now too. So that's really fun seeing them, you know, start to get into it and being able to spend time with them, uh, you know, not just watching, but like talking about it and looking up stats and stuff. They're, they're going to be at least a couple of them are going to be sports nerds too. <laughs> I've got a sports nerd myself. So, and my husband too is a sports nerd as well. So they, they go back and forth talking about all kinds of obscure stats. But when I think about legalized sports betting, I mean, people are on their phones. I mean, they are, you know, thinking about um, all these statistics. I mean, do you think uh, you know, as this industry matures, do you think it'll change the culture of sports in America? I do think that fantasy embedding has already changed the culture of sports in America. Um, so I'm not sure like how, how much so? it's going how to. How so? How has it changed? It? Oh, it's such a large portion of the people who are uh, who are watching and following sports now are either playing fantasy betting or doing both. Um, I mean, the way I describe it is you kind of most people the re, the the joy for watching sports comes from having some rooting interest and usually that's like your hometown team or whatever but betting and fantasy allows you to create a rooting interest in any game in any situation so maybe i wouldn't normally care about the two teams playing in the monday night football game but i like watching football and this is going to give me a reason to watch it and enjoy it otherwise i wouldn't um, so, you know, I look at it as like, it's intertwined with that. It's like, if I want to watch football and enjoy it in a certain way, I want to have a bet on the game or I want to be playing fantasy. Otherwise, unless it's like Patriots or something, I'm not really interested. In it. I mean, what's fascinates me about the sports betting, um, industries, it, you, it's almost created a new sports economy. Um, I mean, I think sports betting is adding billions of additional revenue to sports teams and I mean, even I think changing the valuation of franchises, right? Did you anticipate that the sports betting industry would have that kind of impact? I did because I knew it was a big audience and I knew that this was also like, be, because it's a passion product, people get really into it. Um, and 
that also creates an enormous appetite for other content, um, not just for content like on the side, but just for watching more games like we talked about. So I think that if you if you could take a person who maybe would watch their team play every week and instead they watch six or seven different games in a particular sport, that is a multiplicative impact on just that one person. So, I mean, what I like to say is I don't think betting creates sports fans, but I think it turns sports fans into avid sports fans. All right, Jason Robbins is the CEO of DraftKings, a sports betting company based here in Boston. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I I enjoyed it. Thank you. Say More is a production of the Boston Globe. Today's episode was produced by Anna Kusmer with help from Scott Hellman and Alexis Sargent. Our editor is Jim Dow. Our engineer is Uzair Ahmed. Our music is from APM Music. If you like the show, please follow us and leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Email us at saymore at globe.com. I'm Shirley Leung. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.